You're listening to The Leap Podcast with Katie Lee. Hello. Well, there's no getting away from it, really, is there? I, it has been a long time since my last podcast. And I, um, I actually recorded this one a long time ago. And Joanne Mallon, my guest, is absolutely brilliant. And I'm very sorry, Joanne, that's taken me so long. Um, my life has just taken a slightly different turn and I have started writing scripts. And so I've been really focused on doing those projects rather than um, doing this podcast. And I'm very sorry. I'm sure you've all been desperate without it and miserable and sad. And I I'm, I mean, all I can say is that I, I apologise. Uh, I can't I can't promise that it, it won't happen again, but I will I will do my best. Uh, so just uh, one quick thing. My e-course that I mentioned in the interview is at katielee.co.uk. You can um, join it for free and you can also, if you fancy, download the ebook version of it also for free. It's also in the Kobo store, hopefully for free. Let me know if I've done the settings wrong. Um, and I haven't got around to putting it on Kindle because that's just another load of headaches to overcome. So the ebook is called This Was My Mum Life Crisis and it is self-helpy. It's called a self-help-ish book um, and it's designed for any new mothers who are going through that kind of awful self-esteem dip you have after you've had a child. And it's inspired by the advice and help I got from my friend Susan Smith, who is a therapist. And I actually have an interview with her coming up. So hopefully you will, if you haven't all abandoned me, you will stay tuned and listen to that. Today's guest is Joanne Mallon. You can find her at joannemallon.com. She's also on Twitter and all over the internet. She is a writer, blogger and life coach. So I just wanted to get her on the podcast because I knew she'd be brilliant and she was. Uh, so please enjoy listening to Joanne. Hang on, hang on. It's me again. Uh, just to say, Joanne is a bit sweary. There's quite a bit of effing and jeffing. She drops the F-bomb. Then I drop the F-bomb. Then later, I think I probably drop the F-bomb again. I get giddy. It's exciting. I can't help myself. So uh, if you're listening with young children or you're easily offended, then probably uh, you might want to skip the end of this podcast. So hi, Joanne. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm very well. Good, glad to hear it. I've got some questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready, yes. Good. First off, just tell me a bit about, well, tell us about how many children you have and, and how you managed it. Okay, I have two children, yeah. um, boy and a girl. Uh, they're currently my daughter is 15 and a half and my son is 12. So um, we've reached the marvellous stage where the eldest can babysit, which is fantastic. It's like being born again, you know, all those fabulous things that you did before you had kids and you ne- you always took it for granted, like just popping out to the pub going to see a film yeah as soon as your eldest child can babysit and our eldest will babysit for the price of a quality packet of crisps we're we're out of here what have you done to (laughs) raise this child that will do it for she's she's great yeah i don't know she hasn't hasn't really cottoned on that there's money to be made wow i I think she knows that she could charge other people you know but a a bag of kettle chips is kind of as far as we're, we're prepared to go really this is very brilliant can you tell me a bit more about your childcare situation at the time and how it sort of how did you split it between you and your husband? Well, my 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 partner and I have always both been self-employed and working in the media in um, different um, sort of situations. There's been times when we've had jobs that we've gone out to. Particularly, he he worked in children's TV for quite a long time making cartoons, um, so he'd be be going out and doing a big long office hours job. Um, I did when I first um, had my daughter. I was working in TV at the time as TV producer um, for uh, programs like GMTV, This Morning, lots of chat shows, things like that. The trouble with working in TV is the hours are 
exceptionally long. You know, you're mm. supposed to devote your whole life to it. And and to be honest, I didn't really think through very much how I would make that work with childcare. I I was very very naive. I had this um, vague notion of I thought it was going to be like EastEnders. If I'm being honest, I thought it would be like EastEnders, where the child appears when it's convenient to the plot. And there's always a babysitter available and your child is always happy to go to that babysitter and you're always happy to give them. Do you ever ever notice that in soap operas? You know, somebody's like, oh yeah, I'll look after them. And they give the child, nobody thinks twice about it. And I thought, oh, it'll work itself out one one way or another. (laughs) And it it was a real shock to my system to realise that actually that that doesn't play in the real world, particularly because um, we had no relatives living nearby. You know, my, my uh, partner's family are from Wales. My family are from Northern Ireland. We were living in London, so we, we had no relatives. I remember I had, I, I'd, I had one relative living in London, and she came to see us two days after I'd had the baby. And she was hold, holding uh, my daughter, and she said, you know, Joanne, I don't really do babies, but if you like, I'll, I'll maybe look after her when she's three. And I felt like my whole insides collapsed and I realised that I'd sort of assumed that she would take the EastEnders yeah. role like Dot and be there for, for yeah. babysitting and whatever. And, and, and thinking, what, you don't do babies? Hang on, that, that wasn't part of my plot. That wasn't how it was going to work out. I thought, oh, crap, we're going to have to I'm gonna have to do this myself. Yeah. And I remember being up um, you know, a few days later at, at 3 a.m., it just you know in those horrible early days of breastfeeding when it's all nasty and actually I'd, I had food poisoning so I had one night where I was feeding the baby on one side holding a bucket on the other hand and puking up at the same time and it was 3am and then I started crying and going oh god it's not like a puppy I can't take it back oh <laughs> so yeah so it was a real horrible horrible shock to the system and to make it work for a while I started working shifts, particularly working night shifts. I worked a lot of night shifts for uh, Breakfast TV, for GMTV. And it was weird because it was like there was this hidden seam of women with children who were working through the night from, from say, uh, you know, 9 or 10 a.m. until um, the programme finished the next morning. And then you'd go home and sleep for a bit. My daughter would be with a childminder during the day. Because the, the TV industry is, is certainly at the time was full of people with no kids. I think that's often why a lot of television that, that's made struggles to engage with the family audience because the people who are making it just don't aren't living that life. They're living the life that's dedicated to right, making yeah. TV. Um, so, and people would say, oh, if you're working night shifts, then you'll be able to look after the baby during the day. And I'm like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. So I, I kind of, one way or another, we looked after the kids between us for, for the first year. When you, when you go back to your EastEnders complex i mean firstly i I think i would just as an aside but if someone said that about i don't do babies at that point with a newborn i was so sensitive the Mm. first time yeah uh i remember a load of friends came around and they just weren't interested in children they're not going to have children and they paid more attention to the cat and i was devastated that's the other part i thought oh because i was the first one of my friends to have a child and as it's turned out most of them haven't i hope i didn't put them off (laughs) but i i vague again kind of getting back to this kind of assumption that oh it takes a village to raise a child oh my friends will want to want to do this um no, not really. Yeah. No, they've come round. I still remember the one person who came round and made herself a cup of tea rather than because I was doing the usual kind of running yeah, round yeah, after yeah. people, trying to be the the hostess and stuff. And and you realise that actually no, it's you know you've had the child. It's up to you to. 
find a way to work it out. It's not why should anybody else kind of turn up and yeah, um, you know, babysit for for you um, for free. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's difficult. I mean, there were people that I thought were good friends that I never saw again after really? um, I had my first child. Particularly people um, working in TV just because you know it kind of wasn't i guess it wasn't really space space in their life um so yeah so it's quite it was quite difficult but i mean talking about self-esteem i remember that um that complete um shock and change in focus from when you're pregnant particularly with a first pregnancy you know everybody thinks it's lovely and you know and, and it's you know you feel quite pleased with yourself as if you were the first woman on the planet yeah. ever to be pregnant so you know you just kind of sat there stroking your belly and, and just you know um, marvelling at how amazing you are to have, have you know got a, a person inside there from scratch um, yes from scratch. and so you're the centre of, of the universe and then as soon as you have the baby it's like as if you instantly become invisible and the baby is yeah. um, you know the, the thing that everybody focuses on and at first you're kind of proud of that too because you think well that's a reflection of me I made that special yeah. baby that you're all worshipping yeah. and you feel proud because that's a bit of a, a reflection of you but that only goes so far and I think that this is where it, it you know it just your self-esteem can take take a hit because uh, you think well I'm I'm not just about my child no, you know there no. is more to me um, than that it's it's difficult i think it really makes you um question where your self-esteem comes from are you what you do yeah are you your children or, you know who are you behind all of that but that's when it becomes a complete sort of mess because you're like well is it well actually you know i might have to change my career as you as you presumably did so what did you do next well i i could i mean i kind of had enough of um tv i i, I used to look ahead to the next generation of women in TV and I was actively looking for role models and mentors and when I was I was about 30 and I went out but I looked at a lot of the um, women around the 40 mark in in the TV industry at the time first of all there were hardly any of them they just seemed to disappear and then it's just all the men seemed to go up the ladder and, and the um, the women just seemed to disappear and of those who were there there were men the women that I saw by and large had um, put their whole lives into their careers and were not happy about it. They spent their whole life, you know, putting 24 hours out of 24 into making TV shows that, you know, might play in the corner of a room to, to nobody watching. And so when I looked ahead to kind of the future, it was just really, really depressing. It was really bleak and depressing. I thought, shit, I don't, I'm not, no, I don't fancy that. You know, no. it, it's, um, it's, I was looking ahead and I thought, I don't see anybody yeah. do it being how I would like to be. That is not where I want my life to go. But at the same time, I've always enjoyed media and I always enjoyed writing in particular. And then I started reading about coaching. Life coaching was starting to come over. And I was reading and I just felt very um, strongly drawn towards it. I thought, God, I really like this. This sounds really an interesting thing that that um, that I'd like to take further uh, and I went and and did the coaching training and I really enjoyed it as a thing to do but also for my own sense of self and I, so I spent quite a few years doing a lot of um, I guess personal development work you know studying NLP and lots of different things because I, I was really set on wanting to be a better parent because I, I had 
my own family situation had been very, very stressful growing up. And I um, grew up in a very stressed and unhappy household. So I really didn't have the um, sort of blueprints uh, yeah. to be to be a, a good mum. I thought, I can't, you know, I, I can't really sort of... I don't want my history to be my child's history. Yeah. I want my child to grow up in, in a, a calmer and happier and more loving um, household. And although I still, I you know, I, I've never believed in, as I said the perfect parents I thought well, I'd like to be a bit I'd like to be the best mm. um, parent I can be so I spent a few years doing lots of personal development training doing some coaching work so I kind of over time I've evolved um, just a bit of I guess the, I guess the official term is portfolio career but it's just kind of a bit of a mishmash in that I do probably about a third of the time I do one-to-one coaching mainly with women mainly with uh, people working in media and then I do um, quite a bit of writing and I've, I've sort of written three books over the years in, including um, <clears throat> one about toddlers or I might be doing um, radio interviews or uh, PR stuff or I've, I've got a couple of different blogs that I run and I can get well, that's paid how for I stuff like that. The, yes. I think that's how you came to write for parents. Yes, because yes, I'd, I'd been... Um, I, well, I started the blog to support my coaching business because um, with, with coaching people just think about it for a really long time before they hire a coach so a, a blog is a way for people to get to know you it kind of over 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 time it's just become a bit of a mishmash of, of me writing about Hand things that I'm I'm interested in <laughs> and um, all, all kinds of stuff I was listening to, um, oh, just sorry, just to very briefly go back to the hand cream thing because people think I'm insane. Yeah. If you don't follow Joanne on um, various social media, she has an amazing collection of hand creams. I'll show feet. you them, actually. I'll show you them. This will mean nothing on a podcast. But I, I did, I did, um, look, see, I've got her on to her favourite topic they're more, No, they're motivational hand creams, you see. Okay, so, put, so for anybody listening, you'll put a picture of them. So these are, so I got really into Korean skincare. I love these, they really make me laugh. And then and my daughter, they've got, they've got, got little shoes. Them, no, they've got little shoes, shoes look. And you can take the shoes off. Yes, and, and my daughter comes and when she sort of steals the computer off me, she plays with them and, move, and moves them around. But I, I love their little, their little faces. Lovely. Sit and look at me. And they've all they're got really little happy. motivational statements And on you don't there, use these hand creams, do you? No, no. That's my pension. Look, you've got no pension as a self-employed person. Yeah, that's my pension. I have to say, <laughs> when you work at working at a desk, I think hand cream is it's probably one of the five key things yeah. you need, along with the computer. No, but I, I just they just make me laugh. I, th- I think I think you know you've got to have something in your workspace that makes you laugh. For times when it's gone a bit, it's all gone to shit and it's gone a bit grim. Um, She's now restoring her collection of hand creams to the rightful pride of place. What's that? That's uh, perfume. Like Clearly, a, I thought it was a sex Clearly toy. Clearly, it's perfume. Well, that that says more about you, I think, <laughs> than it does about me. It's it's actually baby powder type perfume. Oh, it's like a powder cream. Anyway, this is great radio. Yes. <laughs> Smell that lovely perfume. <laughs> And then we were about to talk about something else, and I've forgotten what that was now, because I had to go back to the hand cream. Sorry, I've distracted you entirely. It's <laughs> all my life. So, you know, we've got a life coach in the room, and someone who's very wise, and... <laughs> Who? <laughs> Looking around to see if somebody else is coming in. <laughs> so, I, you know, rather than sort of focus on asking you about um, how your self-esteem maybe suffered, have you got advice around, you know... 
I mean, you used to write great columns for Parent Dish about this, you know, and I know that you're really passionate about guilt. Mm. So I thought I'd just get you onto the subject of guilt. Well, you know what I always say? Fuck guilt, really, <laughs> honestly. It just drags you down. It's, I put that no, on a, Yeah, on, well, you, on you, an Instagram. you can have a parental advisory. I think, I think was somebody I was talking to who said they had that on a post-it on their... Um, on on their computer what can you do I, I i just i find guilt the most pointless pointless um emotion saying that though i was reading recently that if you don't feel any guilt then you're possibly a psychopath, a psychopath. yeah yeah possibly oh dear perhaps i've got this wrong all these years so do you been... not feel guilt or do you just suppress no. guilt no i, I don't I, I just what what it is is I accept that I will get things wrong and I will make mistakes. Yeah. I think I think that's where people start to feel feel guilt um, because thing, things have, have gone wrong. You know, they wanted things to be perfect and for whatever reason um, it hasn't worked out. I just accept that that's a natural part of life. Like I, I remember when um, my, particularly when I'd gone, to, I find it so hard going from one to two children. Um, just to get out the door was a challenge enough yeah. in itself. And one day I, I realised that rather than try and remember everything that I had to bring with me, so it was all like a big travelling circus, if I just said to myself, oh, well, I wonder what will be the thing I will forget today? What will be the thing that goes wrong today? Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, you know, we'll just kind of keep an open inquiring mind and find out what... Oh, it was nappies. Oh, I didn't bring nappies. Oh, my child's peed himself and I don't have a change of clothes. Oh, well, never mind. And I kind of take that attitude of wondering what what's going to go wrong yeah 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 rather than the pressure on myself to make sure that things didn't go wrong i think for me having that sort of shift in attitude was really really helpful and took yeah. a lot of weight off off uh off my mind so because i'm not aiming to be perfect and i know that i will um get things wrong and make mistakes but I always try to learn from that, and I try. I try to do better. I, yeah. I, I so I aim to be um, a, a survivor and a person who learns rather than a victim of yeah. life. That's why I don't see why. Why should why what I don't understand. What, I, I have no place for guilt. And actually, in my e-course, you know, one of the exercises is instant forgiveness. So whatever you are about to beat yourself up for, you have to just stop and mm. say, "Doesn't matter. Forgive myself." That's because fine. it doesn't matter no. you know 99.9% no, of the time matters. it doesn't matter yeah. in the long run it really really doesn't it's really helpful if you do try it with your partner too you know if they've forgotten something or cocked mm. up and you just okay doesn't that's done now that's yeah happened. that's more of a challenge isn't no that's it? really tough that's some that is gandhi we're into gandhi territory there all. oh no i'm, I'm a bit i'm a big fan of um gandhi's you know, be the change you want to see in the yeah. world so if you want more peace in the world you aim to be more peaceful um yourself I mean, although i don't think he was that nice to his wife so yeah well, not everyone's you know. perfect yeah but that's kind of putting the focus on somebody else isn't it you've got to kind of take it back to yourself and um you know take responsibility for i'm I'm, bit, I'm quite big on being an adult and taking responsibility for yourself and not blaming other yeah. people and again that's my part of my e-course is about yeah. the inner adult stuff because it's the inner parent that's making you feel bad that you forgot the nappies or you know, and the inner child that's kind of going, yeah, I forgot the nappies. And, yeah, but but know, to what extent of... are you going to, st- when you're going to reach the point where you step away from those and, and just be yourself yeah. as an adult, adult yeah. in the world and accepting that, you know, you make decisions and you have to um, live with and deal with the consequences 
of yeah. of those decisions. Now, my big thing that I'm focusing on at the moment is, is kindness, kindness, because um, I've been reading a lot of. I mentioned to you Wayne Dyer, the the American um, inspirational, motivational author who who sadly died um, recently, and I was kind of revisiting some of his work, and he's very big on just you know be kind, take the kind path, and it's it's quite challenging because sometimes you feel like people are kind of walking all over you and you're just kind of there being all fluffy and kind in, in the in the middle of it but maybe because it's challenging that's a um, you know a better that goes through to, to i i, to I think you know again it's that idea of um you know forgiving yourself instantly but also trying not to judge others as well and if you can oh, ju- stop big. judging if you can stop judging at all uh, or at least let go of that judgment then you first you're happier and secondly you realize that a lot of those judgments say more about you know how you feel inside well completely I, I always I can't remember who said it but the thing that I find really interesting that I read years and years ago was if somebody pushes a button in you that's because you've got the button yeah. so often so often we blame other people for making us feel a certain way but nobody can make you feel a certain way because you know one thing could happen and affect a million different people in a million different ways because yeah. we've all got different buttons so so often you know if somebody's really pissing you off you think well actually what what does that say about me what 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 it what what button is that touching within me and i think it's really important that we own our own buttons again yeah. t- coming back to taking responsibility adult, yeah. and and yeah. i think if if you start by realizing that how somebody else behaves including your child and how you then react to that that's about you yeah that's not about them that's about you and not to feel guilty about that but just to really examine it almost examine it objectively and think well you know if, if what is what is it about that that's that's really um annoying me or um you know making me, me react in a in a particular way and it's quite difficult because then we have to confront all our kind of own stuff and baggage that, that we've yeah. got going on well there's also a difference as well i think it's that you know it comes back to that you know the, the inner child stuff but also the inner parent stuff the things that you heard growing up and the, you know and and how much of that is actually about who you are when you, know, you sort of think of yourself as an adult you're like well actually well, my daughter the other day i was telling her off and she started like mouthing like pretending with my with her mouth while i was kind of telling her off and that's irritating and it was so irritating i just wanted to in that moment my inner like the child in me you know just wanted to lash out and just have a sort of you know but in that moment i thought what is happening here there's something going on and it's a lot to do with you know if i had done that to my mother Mm. i don't think i'd have got a very good response and it you know and actually but it was like well what does that have to do with what i think because i'm looking at that now and it's actually you know she's that's kind of funny you know she is behaving in a really like annoying way Mm. but in a way that you know completely can understand she's feeling stressed and it's her way of kind of letting off a bit she was obviously finding it you know that her mother is having a go at her so she's sort of that's her little way of coping and her little rebellion and my reaction to that is about you know how i know my parent my father would have you know looked at that and i would have you know children should be seen Mm. and not heard you know there is a real part of me that's like we'll have to really question those little feelings that have nothing to do with who i am as an adult they are to do with my own sort of parent child sort of stuff but it's good that you've got the awareness that you can go away and think of that rather than automatically just going into the parenting patterns that, that you learnt. Yeah. Which may not necessarily serve you now. I mean it is we live in an age now where um, you know, people do kind of examine themselves 
an awful lot more. Yeah. And so many things have changed. Like, for example, smacking, you know, when we grew up, smacking was pretty much how it was. You know, it was pretty socially acceptable. It was far, far less socially acceptable now. I mean, I know there's still people who do it, but... Um, generally so you don't see children getting walloped by the bus stop like you used to <laughs> yeah. you know that that's all kind of changing so you know I, I think it's good to kind of stop and examine yourself and also recognize that when your child is really ticking ticking you off there's more going on there than just your yeah. child acting out yeah exactly exactly um with you because you kind of changed your life you didn't have to try and return to it really well you did for a bit there is no kind of you know i usually i ask you know when did you start to feel normal again and well i've got a theory on that um i i feel that um any point in your life when the whole when the tectonic plates shift you don't go back to normal you find a new normal yeah i think that's what it is it's it's life is about moving forward and um you know things will always be changing and you've got to find your your new normal i mean i remember thinking about this a lot when i had my second child and i was really struggling because life was so different um and because i've been quite active with with my daughter and taking her out to lots of things and and then i had my son and as a newborn my son was was one of these kids who just you, you couldn't stop feeding him you couldn't fill this child up so I was pinned to the sofa for, for days and days. Meanwhile, my daughter was just roaming feral around the house. And I was sat there <laughs> weeping, going, oh, we used to bake. We used to do Play-Doh. Now I'm on this sofa all the time. And then I just realised um, eventually, I thought, we're not going to get back to normal. We're not going back. You don't go back in time. Um we 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 have to we have to find a new normal and and you know and I have to work out what I want this new normal to be and I th- I think that's um what it is 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 you know your your normal will be different every time there is a major change yeah. in in your life including having children but you know there'll, there'll be other major changes as, as well and you just have to kind of deal with it and and learn from it and move on um I usually ask for your kind of advice to new mothers going through this, and you've kind of given us loads already, including the um, pithy fuck guilt. Is there uh, anything else you kind of... I, th- I think, um, you know, be aware that there will be some days where getting from one end of the day to the other with you and your baby still alive and just about functioning are as good as it gets. You know, try, try not to have... Um, massive expectations yeah. particularly if you are bringing up your child without any extra um, support if there's no other adult or to kind of come in and hold the baby while, while you um, you know just go to the loo I mean you remember times when just going to the loo by yourself is, is quite a luxury mm. um, or have a shower or anything anything like, like that you know if, if you, sometimes you, you just have to pair your expectations right back down and even though before you had your baby you probably had uh, plans that oh i'll go to art galleries i'll you know i'll, I'll enjoy my maternity leave by um you know having having this uh, lovely bonding time and it may not work out like that that that's okay uh, and the, the thing to cling on to is that it's a it's a phase and like every phase it will pass all phases pass the good and the bad ones so when you're having going through a, a bad phase 
um, with your child. Bear in mind it won't last forever and it will go past. Probably when you got to the point where you think you can deal with it, then it'll move on to something new. But equally, the good phases pass quickly as well. So, you know, please do enjoy those times as, as much as you can. So in conclusion, if, if you get to the end of the day and no one's died, yes, you're winning. Exactly. And fuck but, guilt. Yeah, well, they just... You know, there will be days when that's as good as it gets, and that's fine. That's no, it fine. won't be as good as it gets because there's always a glass of wine as well yeah. that can be added to the. Yeah, but what if you had no wine? <laughs> no, <laughs> can you, you imagine that? that? Of all the things, Katie, there are people who don't have wine, oh. or their kids have been on at the mall all bloody day and they haven't been able to make it out to the off license. When you when you work from home, it's a real struggle, and you've got uh, when we share like my my daughter today is with. Um, will be with my husband but you know sometimes I'll have her and then there's this real sort of tussle and then you get to the middle of the day and you're like is it too early for a glass of wine and so I always feel like I'm winning if we don't crack open a bottle till but the, but then what happens if they PM. wake you up at night I, I, brilliantly I tend not to wake up and my husband has to wake up I've, I've heard that there are real martyr parents who always stay stay sober in case their child is ill and they have to run them to the hospital in the middle of the night I don't know who they, I've never actually met these people. I've read about them on the internet. They sound, they sound, I don't like those people. <laughs> they sound like bad people. I'm just yeah. going to do some judgment on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, if that's what they want to do, then you know. Anyway, Indeed, yeah. thank you very much. That was brilliant. I won't take up any more of your time. You need to coach some people. Indeed. Yes. Back from the. Um, into back change. The abyss. <laughs> yeah, into changing their lives. Um, so thank you very much for your time, as always. And it's nice to finally meet you in the flesh. Yes, you too. You too. So that was the wonderful Joanne Mallon. Thank you so much, Joanne, for giving me your time. Uh, and just to plug for her amazing books, there's Toddlers, an Instruction Manual, A Guide to Surviving the Years 1 to 4, written by parents for parents, uh, and it's really funny. I highly recommend it. And um, Social Media for Writers, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. It's a great primer for anyone who wants to know anything at all about social media, not just writers. I think if I um, just do that, you can probably... I mean, you can hear how good they are me flicking them and she's also written how to overcome fear of driving the road to driving confidence which i haven't read but i suspect is brilliant and i kind of want to read it because i probably do need to slightly overcome a fear of driving so there we go thank you very much joanne and i will have some more podcasts coming soon i've got the wonderful neve who is a business owner and who has an extraordinary story to tell and also the wonderful Susan Smith, who helped me write my e-course in the first place. So check it out at katielee.co.uk.